Welcome to Jazz Piano Skills. I'm Dr. Bob Lawrence. It's time to discover, learn, and play jazz piano. Today is Tune Tuesday. And before I go any further, I know exactly what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey, Doc, last week was Tune Tuesday. Today is supposed to be Theory Tuesday. And I would have to totally concur with you. However, Friday is Christmas. And I cannot let it come and go without us taking the time to discover, learn, and play a Christmas tune. After all, there are some fantastic Christmas tunes that we should have under our fingers. And the tune we are going to explore today is certainly one of those tunes. What the heck? We should all be able to play Jingle Bells, quite possibly the most popular Christmas song of all time. It's definitely hard to find a Christmas tune more identifiable by people of all ages other than Jingle Bells. I actually did a little research on Jingle Bells this past week and was totally blown away with some of the facts that I discovered. Check this out. Jingle Bells was first performed on September 15th, 1857. September 15th, 1857. And it was originally copyrighted with the name The One Horse Open Sleigh on September 16, 1857. Here's another interesting little fact about Jingle Bells. It originally had no connection to Christmas at all. In fact, it had been claimed that it was originally written to be sung by either a Sunday school choir or to be sung as a drinking song. (laughs) I'm not sure how all that works, how those two go together, but uh, that is interesting, right? Nevertheless, here's another, here's another great uh, little fact about Jingle Bells. Music historian James Fold notes that the word jingle in the title and opening phrase, it is apparently an imperative verb. It tells or commands someone to do something. In the winter in New England, in pre-automobile days, it was common to adorn horses, harnesses, the harnesses of horses with straps bearing bells as a way to avoid collision, collisions at blind intersections, since a horse-drawn sleigh in snow makes almost zero noise. The rhythm of the tune mimics that of a trotting horse's bells. However, jingle bells is commonly taken to mean a certain kind of bell. That's interesting, isn't it? Check this out. Jingle bells was first recorded by Will Lyle on October 30th, 1889 on an Edison cylinder. But unfortunately, there are no surviving copies of that recording today. That's, That's a bummer. In 1943, Bing Crosby and the Andrews Sisters. Come on, we've all heard this version, right? Bing Crosby and the Andrews Sisters recorded Jingle Bells, which 
reached number 19 on the charts and sold over a million copies. In 1941, Glenn Miller and his orchestra with Tex Beneke and the Modernaires on vocals had a number five hit with Jingle Bells. In 1935, Benny Goodman and his orchestra reached number 18 on the charts with their recording of Jingle Bells. And check this out, in 1951, I bet you didn't know this, 1951, Les Paul had a number 10 hit with a multi-tracked version on guitar. Jingle Bells was the first song broadcast. Are you ready for this? Jingle Bells was the first song broadcast from space in a Christmas theme prank by the Gemini 6 <laughs> astronauts. That's amazing. And number 10, drum roll please, number 10. The first notes in the chorus of Jingle Bells have become a motif that has been inserted into countless recordings of other Christmas songs. Come on, right? You hear that all the time. Uh, White Christmas, starting with Jingle Bells or ending with Jingle Bells. Have yourself a merry little Christmas, starting with Jingle Bells or ending with (laughs) Jingle Bells, right? You hear that little motif, that little quote all over the place. With all of that being said, I thought it would be great fun today to look at Jingle Bells to see what we can do to spruce up this Christmas classic by adding a significant jazz facelift to the standard chord changes, which are pretty basic, right? They're pretty much one, four, and five. So let's see what we can do today with these chord changes to give it a little jazz upgrade, if you will. But before we jump in to discover, learn, and play Jingle Bells, I want to take a second here at the beginning of this jazz piano lesson to personally invite all new first-time listeners and old-timers to join Jazz Piano Skills. Simply go to jazzpianoskills.com, select a membership plan, click on the join link, and welcome to the family. It's that easy. As a Jazz Piano Skills member, you will have instant and full access to all of the educational content resources, and support, educational content and resources that are continually growing each and every week. Here's what you can immediately access and begin using to maximize your musical growth. Number one, all of the educational podcast guides, the illustrations, the lead sheets, the play-alongs, the interactive courses, which are a Um, They make up a sequential jazz piano curriculum, a self-paced jazz piano curriculum. Number three, you have access to the weekly masterclass that I host every week live for one hour online uh, on Thursday evenings, 8 p.m. Central Time. You will have access to the private community, skills-specific forums, course-specific forums. Plus, you receive personal and professional support whenever you need it, 24-7. I'm always around, (laughs) always around, and always willing and happy to help you with any questions that you have regarding jazz and jazz piano. I say this every week because it's so important, and I simply cannot stress it enough. If you are indeed serious about developing the jazz piano skills needed for you 
to become an accomplished jazz pianist, then you should absolutely become a Jazz Piano Skills member and begin taking advantage of all of the educational content, the materials, resources, and professional support. There are several membership plans to choose from, so you can definitely find one that is going to be a good fit for you. You can become a member for a month if you just simply want to try it out. There is also a quarterly membership plan, an annual membership plan, and there is even a lifetime membership plan. All plans, regardless of which one you choose, will grant you full access to all of the educational content, materials, resources, and professional support. Check everything out at jazzpianoskills.com, and if you have any questions, let me know. I'm happy to spend time with you by phone, through SpeakPipe, email, to help you determine which Jazz Piano Skills membership plan is best for you. All right, let's dive into Tune Tuesday. Let's dive into Jingle Bells. Today you are going to discover the classic Christmas standard, Jingle Bells. You are going to learn how to modify the chord progression of Jingle Bells in a jazz tradition. And you are going to play Jingle Bells using various 2-5-1 progressions. So regardless of where you are in your jazz journey, a beginner, an intermediate player, an advanced player, or even if you are an experienced professional, you are going to find this Jazz Piano Skills podcast lesson exploring Jingle Bells to be very beneficial. To begin, I need all Jazz Piano Skills members right now to pause this episode and, as always, take a few minutes and print the podcast guides, the illustrations, and the lead sheets. Make sure your printer tray is loaded. (laughs) There's quite a bit again this week to print. Always important to have these in front of you. As I stress every week as we go through the lesson, uh, I always say that, that a picture is worth a thousand words, right, as the old saying goes. And the illustrations and lead sheets, along with the play-alongs that I produce for each Jazz Piano Skills podcast episode, are designed specifically to illuminate various aspects of the essential jazz piano skills that we are about to explore. Okay, now that you have the podcast guides in front of you, I want to walk you through them. Let's begin, as always, with the illustrations. There are 13 keyboard illustrations, one for each chord, found in our reharmonization of Jingle Bells. With each one of the keyboard illustrations, I have mapped out the appropriate scale and arpeggio for each chord. I want you to notice that the scales, as always, I notate using the orange X's, right? And you'll also see that the arpeggios are marked with the green O's. So again, basically what you have in front of you, as I like to say, are the X's and O's of Jingle Bells. And not only that, you now have in your hands a viable blueprint to use that you should use, absolutely use, for mapping out the chord, scale, arpeggio relationships of any tune that you are 
truly wanting to learn, not just kind of know, but you truly want to learn. And I stress this all the time. There is a huge difference when it comes to tune study, which I think you already know. There is a huge difference between kind of memorizing the chord changes of a song and learning a tune. There is a huge difference. You'll also notice that I've included the academic mode name for each scale. So you can identify the origins of each scale for each chord. It's always nice to know where the chords are coming from so you can validate the scale choice selected for improvising. In other words, you know it's legit. Finally, I've, I have included 10 essential tips to help you efficiently and effectively study and practice jingle bells. I want you to I want you to spend time with these illustrations at and away from the piano. In fact, I strongly encourage you to do just that. Spend time with them at and away from the piano. Definitely have them at your fingertips and within eyesight while practicing at the piano, right? But use these illustrations as a quick reference. They will help you maintain focus and save you a ton of time and, yes, frustration when you are dissecting and studying jingle bells. Okay, that is a quick run-through of the illustrations. Now, let's take a look at the lead sheets. There are 15 lead sheets. The first five deal with melody, chords, function, left-hand shell voicings, and two-handed voicings. The remaining 10 are exercises to help you focus on specific aspects of jingle bells when practicing. Okay, so the first lead sheet is is jingle bells. And I have notated the melody very simplistically for study purposes only. And remember, when you play melodies, you play them like you're singing them and not like you're reading them. If you read Jingle Bells like I have written on that lead sheet, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not going to sound good, right? It's it's basic. It's kind of a skeletal outline of here's the bare bones Jingle Jingle Bells, right? You have to do something rhythmically with that melody. Okay, so it's just there as a little guide. Remember, a lead sheet is not intended to be treated like a classical piece of music where you play every <laughs> where you play every note as melodically and rhythmically written, okay? All right. The second lead sheet is simply the chord changes of jingle bells. The third lead sheet gives you the harmonic function of each chord within jingle bells. The fourth lead sheet I give you some left-hand shell voicings to experiment when playing the melody in your right hand. And the fifth lead sheet, I give you the two-handed voicings that I am going to be playing today in all of the demos. Spend time with these first five lead sheets, not only to help you learn jingle bells, but to help you begin formulating a legitimate process of truly studying and learning tunes. Get in the habit of producing these types of lead sheets for yourself for every tune you are wanting to discover, learn, and play. 
Now, the next 10 lead sheets give you the Jingle Bells exercises that I will be playing today. I want you to notice how the exercises are labeled. For example, exercise one and exercise one dot one. Exercise two, exercise two dot two, and so on. Is it one dot one or is it one point one? Whatever, right? So I have like exercise one, exercise one dot one, exercise two, exercise two dot two, and so on. So, okay, you'll notice the first one of each exercise pair notates the exercise chord progression only. Use this lead sheet when practicing your left-hand shell voicings and your two-handed voicings. I always prefer using lead sheets with chords only when practicing my voicings. Right? This helps me maintain a focus on the voicings. No notes, no rhythms, no additional notation equals no distractions. So use those lead sheets when you're working on your voicings. The second lead sheet of the pair of each set gives you an ascending and descending scale and arpeggio exercise to apply over the chord progression. I'm going to play through each of these scale and arpeggio exercises today so you have an idea of how they sound and how you should approach practicing them. I strongly encourage you to have these lead sheets sitting on your piano and ready for action. And as always, I want to encourage you to study the lead sheets where? Yes, away from the piano. I have said this at least a million times to students over the past 30 years. My best practicing has always been done away from the instrument. This is when you can truly sort everything out conceptually and adequately and properly prepare for the physical work you're going to do once you do approach your instrument. Remember, conceptual understanding drives physical development. In short, you cannot play what you do not know. It's that simple. So study the illustrations and the lead sheets away from the instrument. I want to also take a second to provide you with some insight regarding the play-alongs that you can and, of course, should be using when practicing. There are 72 play-along tracks for Jingle Bells, six for each key. Okay, the first five play-alongs for each key are the exercises that I'm going to be playing today. And the last play-along is actually Jingle Bells, the tune, the chord changes that I'm playing today, right, using the changes. So um, all of you Jazz Piano Skills members, listen up. You have access to these amazing educational resources. All three podcast guides, the illustrations, the lead sheets, and the play-alongs. Not only for Jingle Bells, but for every podcast episode every week, right? Use them, study them, practice with them. They will maximize your musical and jazz growth. 
Okay, now that we have gone through the podcast guides and we have them in front of us, let's start by listening to Jingle Bells. I am going to play it at 160. However, the play along included in your materials is at 140, which is a great tempo to play it. If necessary, well, and even if not necessary, I encourage you to practice playing this tune, Jingle Bells, and all tunes at slower tempos. I also encourage you to play it at faster tempos as well. Always experiment with playing various tempos and various grooves. It's, it's all part of the learning and developmental process. And in doing so, be sure that you embrace your good, your bad, and your ugly. <laughs> right? All three, I promise, all three will indeed occur. And it's fine. It's okay. It, too, is part of the learning and development process. So let me bring the ensemble in. Let's play a few choruses of Jingle Bells. Hopefully, I have a little more good than the bad and the ugly today. So let's check it out, and then we'll talk about it. Here we go. Jingle Bells. is a swing in Jingle Bells. As you heard, I am just playing the chorus today, right? Just the Jingle Bells part, not the dashing through the snow part. Maybe we'll look at that. <laughs> Maybe we'll look at that next uh, next Christmas because there are some very cool reharmonizations we can do with that section as well. But today we are focusing on the 16 measure chorus. And as you also heard, I was playing a lot of chord changes, many more than just the one, four, and five chords. So the first thing we are going to do is unpack the changes, the progression. 
to see exactly what I am doing. And why in the world does it sound so hip? And as we wade into the weeds today, I know you will have many questions pop up, which you should. And that is precisely why I am committed to providing all Jazz Piano Skills members immediate and unlimited and personal support. If you are listening to this podcast through the Jazz Piano Skills website, which I hope you are, you can use the extremely convenient SpeakPipe widget, which is nestled directly beneath the podcast player, to send me a voicemail message. It is that easy. It is that simple. One click and the two of us are interacting and engaging with one another. Send me a voice message with your questions and I will send you one back with answers. It's very cool technology. If you're listening on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, Amazon Music, or any of the other popular podcast directories, you can just simply use the link speakpipe.com forward slash jazz piano skills. That URL again is speakpipe.com forward slash jazz piano skills. And that will allow you and me to connect as well. As I always say, if you are a scaredy cat, and there are some scaredy cats out there, it's okay. If you are afraid to send me a voice message, then you can post your question in the private Jazz Piano Skills forum and let the Jazz Piano Skills community help you. Or you can join the Thursday evening masterclass, 8 p.m. Central, every week. Join me online, 8 p.m. Central, using the Zoom link posted on the Jazz Piano Skills website and get your questions answered face-to-face. It's fabulous. We would love to see you online. Bottom line, I provide you with so many ways to get help, so definitely take advantage of the opportunities. As you know, my entire goal is to provide you with the very best jazz piano lessons, the very best jazz piano educational materials, and the very best jazz piano support That's available anywhere today. Okay, grab lead sheet number two, and let's go through these chord changes. We're in the key of F, key of F major. So as you can see, we begin with the F major chord and we end with the F major chord. The C7 at the end of the course with parentheses around it is played as a simple turnaround when repeating the form. You do not play that C7 if you are ending the tune. Simply play the F major at the end and you're done. Okay? So, in measure two, we have a seven half diminished. A seven minor seven flat five or a seven half diminished. Go into a three seven, three dominant seven, and then resolving to a six minor. Okay? So basically, it's an E minor, 7 flat 5, E half diminished, going to a 3 dominant, an A7, and then resolving to the 6 minor, the D minor. Nice sound, right? 
great. So you, we have kind of a 2-5-1 there, right? Uh, like a minor 2-5-1. So um, that's going to be literally our number one exercise. That 7 minor, 7 flat 5, or the 7 half diminished, go into the 3, 7, dominant 7, go into the 6 minor or the D minor 7. So that minor 2-5-1 is going to be our very first exercise. Now let's look at measure three. We begin with a six minor. That then goes to a two dominant, which then resolves to a five minor. So we have our six minor, which is our D minor. That then goes to the two seven, which is the G seven, which then resolves to a five minor. Wow, kind of sets us up with kind of a 2-5-1 feel, but with a little twist at the end. Instead of going to the C major, we go to the C minor. So we get the 6 minor, the D minor, going to that 2-7, G dominant, resolving to a C minor. Really nice. Again, 2-5-1 progression. It's your classic major 2-5-1. However, instead of ending with a major tonality, it ends with a minor sound, a surprising and nice change for our ears. This is going to be our exercise number two. Okay, now let's start with the five minor in measure four. C minor seven, five minor. The five minor, C minor seven, moves to a one seven, a one dominant, the F dominant, and then resolves to the four major the B-flat major. Now, here we have classic harmonic motion. This, is, this appears in so many tunes, right? The five minor, going to the one seven, one dominant seven, going to the four major. One, again. Now, you're probably thinking, wow, that just sounds like a two, five, one. And, and it is, right? It's classic harmonic motion, traditional 2-5-1 progression, which is going to be our exercise number three. Just a quick side note. Do you notice how I'm always thinking in terms of function first, followed by the actual chord changes? The reason for this is because my ears want to hear relationships. My ears can retain relationships. Relationships like two, five, one. Harmonic function means something to my ears. While C minor seven to F dominant seven to B flat major seven does not. <laughs> Unless, of course, you have perfect pitch, which I do not. It is so important that you begin looking at and learning tunes based on harmonic function, right? Roman numerals. Not only is it great ear training, it will grant you the ability to easily play the tune in any key. Okay, on to measure six. We begin measure six with a three minor seven flat five, or a three half diminished. That moves to a six dominant, that then resolves to a two dominant. 
Okay, so we have an A half diminished. There's our three half diminished chord. Moving to our sixth dominant, our D dominant, which is going to now resolve to a two dominant. Wow, different sound, right? A half diminished, D dominant, G dominant. Again, three half diminished, going to a six dominant, going to a two dominant. Another two five one relationship that begins as a traditional minor two five. However, the one is a dominant tonality. Another surprise resolution for our ears. This is going to be our exercise number four. Finally, look at measure eight. It begins with the two minor chord, G minor, which is going to take us to the five chord C dominant, which is going to resolve to the one chord F major. Uh, our classic, finally, our classic two, five, one within the key, right? G minor, C7, F major. Finally. And this is going to be our exercise number five. The rest of the course, the last eight measures, <laughs> repeats this entire series of two, five, one movement. How cool is this? Five, count them, five, two, five, one progressions within eight measures of music repeated twice. Who knew Jingle Bells was so hip? You just simply wouldn't expect something this hip coming from Jingle Bells, would you? You certainly would have no problem discovering something this hip and say, uh, I don't know, uh, a Charlie Parker tune like Confirmation, but not Jingle Bells. Some of you might be thinking, wait a minute, I know this progression. I've heard this progression before. It is Charlie Parker's confirmation. <laughs> to which I would reply, you are correct. These are the changes to the A section of Charlie Parker's confirmation, which happens to work beautifully with the melody of Jingle Bells. Merry Christmas. This is my little Christmas gift for all of you. A very hip way to play, to breathe new life into the classic Christmas carol, Jingle Bells. Okay, grab the lead sheets for exercise one of Jingle Bells. And you'll see on the lead sheet, I have, uh, it's an eight measure exercise. The first four measures dealing with scale motion, ascending and descending right, with a root entry. And the second four measures uh, deal with arpeggio motion, ascending, descending, with root entry as well. I want you to notice a little notation I put there on measures three and four and measures seven and eight. I said rest and assess before repeating. So those two measures at the end of each uh, line, the scale line, the scale motion and the arpeggio motion. Those two measures are a time to assess, to rest and assess before repeating, right? We want to assess what you did good, what didn't go so well, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, if you will. 
right? And then make any adjustments needed before we repeat, okay? So you're going to hear me play the scale motion ascending and descending, the arpeggio motion ascending and descending, and nothing fancy, right? I'm just playing through the scale and through the arpeggio, focusing on time, articulation, feel. I want to sound like a jazz pianist. And I'm just getting familiar with the shapes and sound of this half diminished, going to the three dominant, going to the six minor, right? Seven half diminished, three dominant, six minor. So let's bring the ensemble in. Let's listen to how I'm going to treat this exercise with scale motion, arpeggio motion, root entry, ascending and descending. Okay, so let's check it out. Here we go. Always a great feeling to match up scale and arpeggio motion with the harmonic structures. It's a great feeling. Before you try to improvise, before you try to do anything creative with it, make sure we have scale and arpeggio motion matched up with the harmony. The two measures at the end of each line that I mentioned, I utilize that time to rest and assess. I also utilize that time to play my voicings, my two-handed voicings, right? Trying to put it all together. So that's exercise one. So now you kind of got an idea of the format here, the structure, how the other remaining four exercises are going to go. I'm going to utilize the exact same process for each exercise. So now grab lead sheets for exercise number two, okay? Now we're dealing with the 6 minor 7, going to the 2 dominant 7, going to the 5 minor 7. D minor 7, G7, C minor 7. And again, I have my scale motion for the first two measures, ascending and descending, followed by two measures of rest and assess before repeating. And then on the second line, I have two measures of arpeggio motion, ascending and descending with a root entry followed by two measures of rest and assess before repeating. So I'm going to apply the exact same formulaic process to this progression, to this exercise. 
So let's bring the uh, ensemble in and let's check it out. Again, this is going to be a tempo of 120. All the exercises, by the way, in the play-along tracks are at 120. Okay, so let's bring the ensemble in. Let's check it out. I want to focus on sounding like a jazz pianist. I want good feel, good time, good articulation. Here we go. something I want to mention real quick. I'm doing everything today with a root entry. Okay. You can do this exact same process with a third entry on the scale, third entry on the arpeggio, entering with the fifth on the scale and arpeggio, entering with the seventh with the scale and arpeggio, right? You just different geographical regions of the sound is what you would be exploring. Today, I'm just starting everything on the root, but would encourage you to experiment with ascending and descending scale in arpeggio motion from not only the root, but from the third and from the fifth and from the seventh as well. Okay, grab the lead sheets for exercise three. Okay, now you can see we have our five minor seven going to the one dominant seven, resolving to the four major seven. C minor. F dominant, B flat major. Classic 2-5-1, but it's not functioning as 2-5-1, right? It's functioning as 5 minor to 1-7 to 4 major. I mentioned it earlier. This is found in so many standards, so many tunes, okay? So we're going to do the same thing. We're going to ascend and descend through our scale motion with a root entry, followed by two measures of rest and assess, and then two measures of arpeggio uh, ascending and descending motion uh, with a root entry, followed by two measures of rest and assess before repeating, right? So you're going to hear me do several of the scale, several of the arpeggio, same process that we did for exercise one and for exercise two. So bring the ensemble in. Let's check it out. Here we go.
Very nice. By now you're starting to really catch on to how this process is working. You know, I just mentioned how important it is to explore different geographical regions of the sound from the root, launching from the root, from the third, from the fifth, and from the seventh. You know, uh, all the first several courses that I have in the jazz piano skills curriculums deals with the seventh sound, the ninth, the eleventh, and thirteenth, where the the uh, the whole point of the course is to help you explore major, dominant, minor, half diminished, and diminished sound from these various entry points. Right? These courses make up a sequential curriculum that use a self-paced format to help you thoroughly study the essential jazz piano skills that you need to command in order to become an accomplished jazz pianist, such as the ability to play through entire sound from root to 13th. So check out the Jazz Piano Skills courses when you have a chance. As Jazz Piano Skills members, you have full access to use those courses, to use the detailed instruction and illustrations, to listen to the in-depth educational talks, the interactive learning media, access to traditional guides and worksheets. There are high-definition video demonstrations of me playing in all 12 keys, the various skills, play-along tracks, lead sheets, and, of course, professional and personal educational support as well. Check out the courses at jazzpianoskills.com when you have a chance and utilize them. They will help you explore sound, especially courses 3, 4, 5, and 6. Okay, grab the lead sheets for exercise 4 of Jingle Bells. Now we are going to explore the three half diminished, three minor, seven flat, five, the six, seven, going to six dominant, and then resolving to the two dominant. So we have our A half diminished, going to our D dominant, resolving to our G dominant. Again, scale, root entry, ascending and descending on measures one and two, followed by two measures of rest and assess. And then we have two measures of ascending and descending arpeggio motion root entry, followed by two measures of rest and assess, right? So same exact process that we have done for the other exercises for the other 251 motion. And now we're going to do it for this motion, the three half diminished going to six dominant, resolving to two dominant. So let's bring the ensemble in. Let's check it out. Again, I'm focusing on time. Feel articulation. I want to swing. I want to sound like a jazz pianist. Here we go. Thank you. 
this is such a great way to practice any tune, right? To snap it apart into the uh, major components that make up the tune. In this case, in this Jingle Bells, all these 2-5-1 progressions. So great to get our hands on these shapes and sounds and our ears wrapped around these sounds, right? Just a wonderful way to practice. So now we're going to look at our final exercise. So grab the lead sheets for exercise five of Jingle Bells. Now we're dealing with the classic 2-5-1 of the key, of the key of F. The 2 minor 7, the G minor 7, go into the 5 dominant, the C dominant 7, and go into the 1, the F major 7. Again, we're going to just uh, utilize the same formulaic approach, right? We're going to enter scale motion, root entry, ascending and descending through the 2-5-1, followed by two measures of rest and assess. And then we're going to do the same thing for the arpeggio, ascending and descending motion, uh, arpeggio motion with root entry, followed by two measures of rest and assess. Okay. One thing I do want to mention before we listen to this very last exercise if you've noticed on all of these, uh, and you'll can, it will visually jump out at you when you look at the lead sheets. My ascending and descending motion, right? My when I begin my descending motion, I always begin on the descending side of the line, and when I start my ascending motion, I always start on the ascending side of the line, and you'll see that when you look at the lead sheet, right? So like. In this example, in exercise five, right, I start on the G minor, G entry. I'm going to do the arpeggio. So I'm up to that F. I start my descent, and I start my descent on the descending side for that C7. So I'm on the E. Now I'm going to go up my F major seven, so I'm going to start my ascent on the ascending side of the G, right? Okay, so I get this. So if you were to map that out or to graph it, you have this beautiful looking like sine wave, if you will, right? So there is a shape, a form that I'm using as well with my ascending scale and descending scale motion and with my ascending and descending arpeggio motion. I just wanted to point that out. And again, if you study the lead sheets, you'll pick up on that on each one of the exercises. So, okay, here we go. Exercise five, our classic two, five, one in the key of F, G minor seven, C dominant to F major. Here we go. Let's check it out.
have we covered a lot of ground in a very short period of time. And again, if you have questions over any of today's lesson, uh, over the various 251 patterns that are found within our Jingle Bells or Charlie Parker's confirmation, any questions over the, those patterns and the motion, um, by all means, please reach out to me. I'm happy to help and answer any questions that you may have. But what a great tune, a Christmas classic. And I hope you have found this Jazz Piano Skills podcast lesson, Exploring Jingle Bells, to be insightful and, of course, beneficial. Just a reminder, no master class this week. Thursday is Christmas Eve. Please share it with family, with friends, with loved ones. As a Jazz Piano Skills member, be sure to use the educational podcast guides for this podcast lesson and the Jazz Piano Skills courses to maximize your musical growth. And likewise, make sure you are an active participant in the Jazz Piano Skills forums. Get involved and make some new jazz piano friends. As always, you can reach me by phone, 972 980-8050. My office extension is 211. You can reach me by email, Dr. Lawrence, drlawrence at jazzpianoskills.com or by SpeakPipe, a handy little widget found throughout the Jazz Piano Skills website and the podcast episodes and the Jazz Piano Skills courses. Well, that's it for now. And until next week, enjoy the journey And most of all, have a very Merry Christmas and have fun as you discover, learn, and play jazz piano.